Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Over the next hour, we'll look briefly back at the opening four games of England's T20 series with Pakistan, which is poised nicely at 2-2 um, following the games in Karachi. Then move on to Lahore now. We'll focus more in depth on Sir Andrew Strauss's high-performance review into the restructuring of English cricket and what it could mean specifically uh, for county cricket. We'll hear from Surrey's head coach, Gareth Batty, after they won their 21st county championship title and hear exclusively from England batter Ollie Pope. We'll also address the infamous Mankad incident, which clouded India's 3-0 series win over England on Sunday. And we'll hear from David Bumble Lloyd. So plenty to come as usual over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Tommy, um, I know you've just done uh, a podcast um, with John Norman on uh, the first four games, so we'll just touch on it briefly. Um, for those who, who haven't been following the series, they're missing a bit of a cracker. I thought that it would be more about the occasion and the first time England going back uh, uh, to Pakistan since 2005 and the sense of history, and I also thought that seven games was too many. I'm beginning to review all of those things now because the series and the cricket's been cracking. The cricket has been cracking. I think the atmospheres have been cracking as well in, in Karachi. I think there's been some some electric atmospheres. There's some, been some good cricket, I think, from both sides. Uh, and I think England are going nicely on a, on a path, on a journey to get themselves to the first game of the World Cup. I think it's against Afghanistan in Australia. I think they're in a decent place. I think they've got question marks still on the opening batter, who, whether Alex Hills or Phil Salt, could they potentially get Ben Duckett into the squad? With you know, we haven't seen we haven't seen Josh Butler, but we're going to see him, I think, in Australia, no question whatsoever. We haven't seen Chris Wokes, um, and if that spot become available because he hasn't played, then I'd be tempted to go with with get Ben Duckett into the squad because I think you've got enough bowling options because Ben's been probably the standout from 
the batters behind Harry Brook, because Harry Brook's been unbelievable. Um, and, and Duckett's done himself the world of good when it comes to potential test selection um, playing on them surfaces. So I think all in all, positives when when within batting. I think the bowling, I think it's just proved what everybody said for two or three years. England's attack is completely different when you've got Mark Wood in it. And they just pierce. Pierce does funny things to batsmen's eyes, legs and hands. And that's what seemed to happen in that one game. So hopefully he's going to play. And I think he's going to play in game five and game seven. Good to see Ollie Stone back on the field. Spinners have bowled nicely. I just think it's been a fantastic contest between two sides who have had a real red-hot go at each other. And we've seen some excellent batting from Pakistan. Some typical Pakistan cricket in the last four overs of the... I think you can... Manners, I think you could just sort of clip and package up Pakistan's white ball cricket in in the 20 years in the last four overs of the last game in Karachi. Completely dominating the game. Absolute shambles to lose it. And then, you know, sheer brilliance by Aris Rav to get back in it. That's just Pakistan cricket. So if they get to the knockout stages in the World T20, they can produce and they've got a chance. So I think all in all, it's been a, it's been a good series so far. Uh, talking of pace, uh, Mark Wood, obviously, um, he's, he's remains refreshingly honest. And he said doesn't want to blow a gasket um, before the World Cup. And he's uh, still reaching full fitness after a season off. But another fast bowler um, on the comeback trail. And he completed the full set of, uh, of, of caps now, having made his debut in Pakistan. Is Ollie Stone. This is what he had to say. It went well. Obviously, out here, it's it's tough to bowl. Either side the fielder, it's it's four. So, yeah, it teaches you to, to hit the right areas and, and think about what you're going to do. And, yeah, like I say, all the hard work that, that I've put in and, yeah, it makes it all worthwhile. I love playing for England and hopefully there's there's many more years to come. That's Ollie Stone speaking to Sky Sports News after making his T20 debut. Yeah, so it looks like the, the, the bleak... I was going to say the bleak midwinter for fast bowlers, but it's been a bleak summer for fast bowlers. It was good to see him back as well. What did you think of his pace? Yeah, he bowled nicely. Probably bowled exactly how we thought he he, he could bowl. I think he, he said himself, he's delighted to be back. He bowled 140s, the ball in a decent area, went only went for 30-odd runs. I thought it was a good game for him. Will he get another game before the end of the series? Hopefully. I would say one more game just to see where, how it goes. But my thing for Ollie Stone is where he got where he goes now. That's the big conundrum for for Ollie Stone to keep him bowling. The last thing he wants now, after getting fit and getting in the side, is a, a, a month or six weeks without bowling a ball. Because the one thing that's not going to happen straight away, he's going to get injured. Because if he slow if he slows his body down and then comes back and tries to go full throttle again, there's a there's a good chance of him getting injured. I think there's a fast bowling camp in the UAE. Um, coming up soon, I think they need to get him and make sure he's consistently bowling on that because I don't think he's anywhere near the Pakistan Test squad. But for England to win away from home in Test match cricket, they're going to have the need is through the air. We've, we've won, all, we'll win at home, not a problem. You talk about sort of bleak midwinter for for, for fast bowlers, but in England, while you've got Broad Anderson, you've got Robinson, I'd even chuck Wokes into that. England have the ability with them four bowlers and one or two others to take 20 wickets. Not a problem. Duke ball doing a bit. And that's what the Andrew Strauss review is all about. Um, but the likes of Stone and Wood and Archer, if we want to we want to be seriously considered as one of the best teams in the world in Test Match Cricket, we need these characters to be fit away from home to give us a chance to, to, to take 20 wickets. 
Time now to hear, as promised at the top of the show, from England's white ball captain, Joss Butler. We've been really well looked after. You know, obviously lots have been made of, of coming over. It's obviously some really, um, you know, visual uh, security things in place that um, you know, seems very over the top. And once you get used to that, it sort of drifts into the background. But um, no, we've been really well looked after. The, the fans in the stadium in, in Karachi were, were great. Obviously, a lot of our guys have, have played in the PSL and, you know, experienced that before, which is is nice. And, and um, you know, I think we just really enjoyed it. There's been some good games of cricket, you know, travelled a lot to India. Uh, we know India and Pakistan, the sort of, you know, that fanatical support of cricket. Uh, and it's very, that's what I'm sort of seeing is very much the same as, as being in India, how much people just love their cricket out here. OK, and you can hear more analysis of uh, the T20 series or the first part of it anyway between Pakistan and England on the latest following on podcast, which uh, can be found on the same feed as this podcast. That's with Harmi and, and John Norman. Let's move on to the high performance review then. 12 of the 18 counties must vote in favour of uh, the recommendations for them to be implemented. Um, and that seems highly unlikely, uh, except only for a couple. Anyway, before I ask you about that, let's actually hear what um, Sir Andrew Strauss had to say. The current schedule is not working in the way it should. Um, uh, you, you know, it, not only is there too much cricket, but it's also played in these very sort of intensive blocks, especially the Red Bull cricket in April and September. Um, and so we need to move things forward in that regard, definitely. Um, uh, ultimately, you're absolutely right. There is no solution that works for everyone uh, when you have this conversation. It is like one big Rubik's Cube. You move one piece and that affects everything else. So, you know, we, we've just gone back to the principles around uh, high performance, but also trying to come up with something that's compelling for everyone in the game. This is, I honestly feel like this is the best solution for the game of cricket moving forward. Forget about England and high performance. I think this is a, a far better schedule for everyone. It's really interesting that last bit there. He said, uh, forget about high performance. But it seems to me that the whole review is aimed exclusively at achieving high performance. And there have been some some very passionate county executives, um, county chairmen and, uh, and chief executives, who have already come out and said, we will not be marginalised. We will not be made irrelevant. So so that bit, the the six team county championship with two <laughs> what are they called conferences yeah, yeah. that's not going to happen is it no i can't see that happening i think we've got what we've got to say from right at the very outset is this report this review and what sir andrew strauss has done it comes to try and benefit english cricket i think the elephant in the room is the hundred if we don't have the hundred if we spent 40 million on marketing our great game i think our great game would have been in a better state because the blast would get marketed better, the Royal London would get marketed better, and the Championship would get marketed better. I don't see billboards with, you know, teams with from a Championship point of view on them, or Royal London on them, or T20 Blast on them. I see a hell of a lot of good marketing about the hundred, and that's why we've had fans there. That's why the game has been embraced by a lot of people who haven't watched cricket in this country. That's a given. That's not that's not me having a go at the ECB. That's just that's just common sense thought from a lot of people in this country. I think what you've got to what you've got to come up with is a lot of chief execs and chairmen, yeah, I get that. They're not happy because you know they don't want this. Yeah. That's them saying that in one breath. But it's also I don't believe they believe everything they're saying. They're saying it because of county membership. And the county membership I can understand not being very happy because if you go down to the the, the sort of three conferences, 
and you get knocked out of the first round of the Royal London, your potentially membership is only worth about 20 days, 25 days. 25 days of a cricket summer, that's ridiculous. So I understand that. I don't get why we have to play less cricket. I really don't. You know, if we're talking about England players, England players are contracted. We've got 400, and 400 professional cricketers in this country. I don't understand why we have to keep saying we need to play less days. There's only 25 out of them 400 are, are going to play cricket for England. You know, so why are, why are we worried about playing less cricket? To, we're stopping people earning a living. That's, that's the thing I don't get. The problem we've got is 100, and we, we stop, the world stops when the 100's on. Why should it? Why should it? You know, to find, a, find a formula, find a solution, find a way between the county chief execs and the county chairman aren't happy. Then you come up with a plan to make sure cricket still goes during that time. 100's not going away. As much as I can kick and scream and say I don't agree with it, it's not going away. But I don't believe that cricket should stop in August. I don't believe first-class cricket should be... I'm not a big believer that, oh, we, we've got to be playing red ball cricket in August. We haven't. We've got to come with, with a formula that cricket flows throughout the summer. And if the hundred's there, players go off and play in the hundred because it makes them more money. That's fine. But cricket can keep going because at the end of the day, there is a lot of cricketers in this country making a living for themselves. And we're stopping them making a living. We, we really are. That's the, that's the thing that annoys me. We can go on the schedule if you want. We can say it should flow better. It should flow better. But the reason it doesn't flow better is because the, the world stops when the 100's on. Why? Why? Why should it happen? Keep playing first-class cricket. Keep playing two divisions. Squads have to be bigger and better and more powerful. You have a couple of games in during the 100 if you have to. You lose players to the 100 like you lose players to England. That's the only way for me that solution carries on is that if you want to reduce games, I don't see how you can potentially do that without without really damaging. Look, I, I, the review system, the, 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 Sir Andrew Strauss's review for me, 15 out of 17 points, walk through, not a problem. 18 chairman, duck the hats and say, right, you've got an, not a problem that. But the biggest points and the most, I think damning changes or the sort of the best changes that Andrew sees is that we play too much cricket. So the reducing the cricket is the big stumbling point. The, the other 15, to be honest, man, is the other 15 didn't really need to be there. These are the two things that we needed. And unfortunately, they're not going to go through. No, they're not. Um, the biggest concern for me, and I'm a massive fan of Sir Andrew Strauss, was the fact, uh, it was the comment that he, when he talked about candy cricket being played in front of two men and a dog. Um, and uh, I think that that showed that he was maybe a little bit out of touch with uh, the county game. And also, Manus, 100%. those two men and that dog matter. They matter. They do matter. And that's why cricket has to carry on. That's what I'm trying to say. It's that two men and a dog and 300 cricketers who make a living for themselves. Like a guy that goes in into the factory, like a bricklayer, like a builder, the, the doctor or whoever. These guys are making a living for themselves. They probably they probably know they're not going to play cricket for England. They possibly know they're not going to play in franchise tournaments around the world. But they're making a living for themselves because they see they, they love playing the game of cricket. And you know what? There are a lot of people in this country who love watching the game of cricket, and that for me should never be taken away. Let's actually hear again from um, Andrew Strauss on Sky Sports News, telling us why he thinks a six-team county championship will improve the domestic game. Number one high standard, right? So it's a six-team tournament. Uh, that means that 
the quality of player in those top six teams is going to be higher. The quality of cricket is going to be higher, allied to better pitches. And there's some recommendations around how we can improve our pitches. Um, that's going to reduce the gap between domestic cricket and international cricket. It's it's the artificiality of the situation that concerns me, Harmi. I mean, if you have a six-team um, championship, then it's all well and good to assume that the six best teams in the country will be there. But it's going to be very easy to have a uh, the kind of season where you have a few round-out matches and a few injuries at inopportune times, and you could very easily have your best or a couple of your best teams relegated. 100%. I don't get that. Well, I do get the six-team tournament, but it would have to be six new teams. For me, the only way for that to work, it would have to go down the Kevin Peterson model, which would be a franchise. That's the only way. If you want to, if Andrew, Andrew Strauss talks like that and says he wants the best to play against the best, it has to go down the Kevin Peterson route, which would be six franchises. That's not going to happen. No, and it, and it, no, no, should it happen. And look at this year. Next year could be a pivotal year for, for counties because counties in red ball cricket might go down, and I've, I've just been involved in the Durham-Sussex game. Uh, might go down the road of, of like Sussex and just go for, for for young players and go down the white ball model because next year Warwick should get relegated. You know they're they're down for two seasons. Durham at the minute have they got any their cash flow? You know they've got some good young players. Durham chief executive might turn around and go, Do you know what? A financial director at Warwickshire and somewhere like Durham and and one or two other bigger counties and go, no, we're not having an overseas this year. No, that that expensive player that comes in that's going to better our team you can't have them because there's no value in having them because there's no promotion we haven't got any promotion next year to the top six league so we'll save our money we devalue our cricket then you know, and that's my worry about what this situation is the six team tournament if you if you wanted to go down that road it would have to be new teams and that for me that ends county cricket. And I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate that one bit. I wouldn't vote for that one bit. 18 counties. We've been the best team in the world before and we will be the best team in the world again. And we've done that from first-class cricket in this country being doubly hard than any other country around the world because that's the way we've played our game. And yes, Kevin, you can shout at me and say that's, that's, not, the, you know, that's not right. It should be better. We should be down down a franchise mode. We can't go down a franchise mode. We just have to make better decisions um, on when we play our cricket um, at a better time of the year. Okay, just to um, be clear, the um, the review suggests a six-team county championship, effectively, with two conferences below them. And so it's not Division Two and Division Three. It's two conferences of six teams, and the teams which finish top of those conferences have a playoff in order to be promoted. Um, so one team is relegated and there's a, a one-off playoff match for promotion into the into what is effectively the county championship. I can't help but think that there are very, very many complications and unworkable elements of that. But um, let's just hear from for the first of, of, of two occasions during the show from Gareth Batty, um, who is now the, uh, the champion coach uh, of the country. Um, so what did he think about uh, losing red ball cricket? I suppose I sit back and I, I look at people like Peter Moores, who arguably is the best coach over a period of time in England and, and other people like that. They haven't been um, spoken to, which I think is disappointing because the review for me is about making England the best team. So that means the players in there. So the coaches that develop these players need to have some sort of an input. It's a very interesting one for me. I understand the commercial side. I understand the wanting to 
uh, improved players. I think we have to be very careful how much cricket we take out of the scheduling. There is a little bit too much at the minute. Mm. I think we all agree on that. But we don't want to be losing too much, and particularly we don't want to be losing too much of the red ball stuff because we've seen England win six out of seven and there's no better spectacle of a test match going the distance and two teams going hammer and tong. It's, uh, it's a pretty wonderful thing. It's a kind of conflict of interest, isn't there, between performance, you know, which the county championship, you know, producing England players, and what the county members want, which is cricket. <laughs> to be able to watch yeah, cricket I mean, and go to cricket. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I, I got quoted a little bit wrong yesterday. I said if we're not careful, if we just look at this review, we're trying to go down that celebrity culture that we're in at the minute. So you become instantly famous with no substance behind it. Mm. Uh, if you go and say Love Island or something, apologies for any of it, it's Love Island fans. <laughs> there's nothing really behind it. What do you do apart from you've been on that show? And mm. I think the beauty of four-day cricket and the value that we put on the time you have to get those skills and the time it takes to get those skills is not something to be undermined. We don't want our England players getting flogged and playing too much. That's why central contracts came in, and that's why it's a very good thing. This is not about England players playing more. This is about developing players to get in that England team. So I think they have to play an amount. That was, uh, sorry, head coach Gareth Batty. I, I don't know whether he's still interim, um, but surely he can't be if he's now the champion coach <laughs> in the country. But, uh, but that was uh, he was speaking to Hawksby and Jacobs over on Talk Sport. Um, many of the aspects, as you said, Harmy, um, are no-brainers. I mean, they will just get... Um, They'll get voted through without even a discussion, I would think, an expanded Lions programme with more Lions test matches, better pitches, incentivised by bonus points, under-17s beefed up, you know, an annual North versus South South um, first-class series, Kookaburra uh, ball being introduced to the to the county championship. It's all, it all, that all makes a lot of, of sense, but... Uh, you know, the, the Kevin Peterson school of thought that everything needs to be franchised. Just as you said, um, there is more to county cricket than just uh, a contest between bat and ball. Although that is the, of primary importance, there is more to county cricket. It is. And it's it, honestly, it is. Uh, I, I keep going back to the yes, I'm not I'm not a, never been a huge fan of the county members because it's like me off wherever I went, everywhere I went when they come to it. But we are messing with people's lives here. And that's the thing that I can't get my head around. We're messing with people's lives. We've got a high-performance review that's trying to look after 40 cricketers, 50 cricketers, and not look after you know, what our game stands for and the, the wider the wider reaches of, of our cricket. I've just been involved in a four-day game at Durham with Sussex. And do you know what? Sussex got beat and got, you know, got well beat. They've had a tough season. And I looked at their side... And I'm thinking some of these lads haven't even got their homework in for the end of you know, for, for the end of term stuff. But I tell you what, I looked at it and I thought, do you know what? Individually, there's about three or four of these lads might play for England. It really is. I look, look down at Sussex, the way they, the way that some of them shaped up individually for little brief moments. I'm thinking there's talent there. And how you how do you how do you fulfil that talent? You fill that fulfil that talent by playing cricket, like what Gareth Batty saying there. You have to go through the hard yards, the understanding of what the game is, and go through the you know the, the roller coaster of emotion in the game to then come out of the game at the other end with talent coming through to put yourself propel yourself into you know the, the England selectors reckoning. Now that comes by playing the game. I've seen a 17-year-old waykeeper, I think he just turned 18, 
Charlie Chirp. I tell you what, in both innings, he looked lovely with a bat. Only got 30 in each one. He kept, apart from a little period in the middle of the middle of the, the afternoon, he kept brilliantly. I looked at Jung Carlson, the, the off spinner, shaped up beautifully with a bat, down the order, organized game, nice bowling action, thinking the more he plays, he's got a chance. Here, got a chance. He ends at the top of the order, captain in a first-class county, 20, 20-something-year-old. 20 yeah, these boys have got a chance. Individually, collectively, you throw a bunch of young kids in, they're going to struggle a little bit. And I think they have done this year, and I think that's something Sussex might want to look at. But individually, there's there's one or two of these lads got a chance. Now, if this review comes through, they're playing less cricket. We might just fall by the wayside because we're not looking at Conference 2 and Conference 3. We're looking at the big six. And the big six might not have Surrey in for one year. They might not have Yorkshire in for one year. And all of a sudden, when our big England players go back to play some cricket, like Ben Stokes has asked for, four-day Red Bull cricket to get prepared for the test match, half our England team might be playing in conference two and three. Then what's the point of this system if that's going to be the case? So for me, there's a few holes in it. But the one thing I've said right from the very start, this has been done from a good man who's got a good heart, who's wanting English cricket to get better, and that's Sir Andrew Strauss. Now, while you've got Sir Andrew trying to make the game better, yes, you might not agree with everything he's, he's put forward so far, but I think sometimes you have to put things drastically so far down the line to get somewhere in the middle. I just wonder if that's what this is. Okay, I said we'd hear from Ollie Pope. I'm not sure that he was one of the people that Sir Andrew spoke to because he says he's perfectly happy with the amount of red ball cricket. Just slightly concerned about that big block in April of seven back-to-back matches. Here's Ollie Pope. I think the main thing that I see is whether whether there was less games, I'm not sure. Um, I think sometimes, I think we played something like eight or nine, eight games in a row at the start of the season where you literally play your four days, you get one day off, you train, you train, you play. And doing that for eight weeks when and obviously playing four days of like intense cricket is a lot. And I think you want guys. So we had we were lucky enough this year that our bowling attack, we had guys who kept coming through and we, we could give someone like Jamie Overton a week off mm. um, and then bring someone in. Um, so then he could then bowl 90 miles an hour and perform to the best of his ability. But when you when you get guys who are sort of I think this is mainly for the bowlers. Um, when you get guys who can't even run in and bowl at 100% just because yeah. of that, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. And that's how I see it as the biggest challenge. Because um, you want you want guys running in and bowling quickly. And you want to get rewarded for bowling quickly as well. You don't want to feel like, oh, I can't bowl quickly this week because I don't want to don't get injury. So I think that there's obviously scope for it. I think it's good having, an, I quite like having a lot of teams in Div 1 and Div 2, just because when you do win it, it's you're beating... Mm. everybody not just not just a small group of players if that makes sense so i i do enjoy that side of it but yeah i, I don't want to <laughs> i don't want to have too much of a say but i just think the guys who sort of are low on resources and they don't have as many bowlers as we were lucky enough to have this mm. year that that is when it becomes tough that was ollie pope i think expressing a, a very popular sentiment there um very that very is, quickly harmy we're, we're just i'm just about to say that's ollie pope ben stokes and joe root all saying along with the county championship. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to ask you uh, what your thoughts were. You make a very good point, don't you? <laughs> yes, okay. Um, but I just wanted to ask you what you thought, you you think about playing, um, what are they called? Festival. Festival first-class games um, for players who aren't involved in the 100. Basically, friendlies. 
I mean, yeah. it's it sort of, you know, get, get your whites on in performing seals to keep the members happy. No, not for me. I think they, they play that much cricket. It's got to be competitive. It's got to be meaningful. It's got to be something on it. If you go down the road of playing a, a northern and for the Northern Cup, which would be Durham, Yorkshire, Lancashire, or the West London, uh, the West, yeah, you know, the London Cup between Middlesex and and Surrey, yeah, you know, the, you're going down the West Country and playing four or five teams down there. Now, not for me. They've got to be meaningful games. If you're gonna you're gonna flood the calendar. You might as well flood the calendar of games that actually mean something, not just a hit and giggle. Yeah, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll focus on the county championship as Surrey win their 21st title. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, if there are any non-fans of the Brown Hatters, you can uh, fast forward and uh, go move on to part four because we're looking at, uh, at Surrey, but well, we discussed the penultimate round of the championship. Hampshire lost it as much as Surrey won it. That's a, a, certainly a viewpoint. Surrey, uh, great value for their win by 10 wickets against Yorkshire. But Hampshire bowled out for just 57 in less than 20 overs in their first innings at Kent. I mean, we were all sort of settling in and getting the popcorn and and hot chocolate out for a for a, a cracking finale to the championship, and then suddenly it was all over. It was, yeah, in all in the space of about an hour and a half when Hampshire got bowled out for fifty seven. But fair play to the Surrey, the best team in the league this year. Um, over the moon for our colleague Bats. 
um, interim coach. I know he has to go. Unfortunately, he has to go through the process of 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 trying to apply for the job. Can you imagine that? Two people, two other people are going to go for that job, knowing that he's just won the county championship. What a waste of time that is. Um, but I'm not even going to go there. Um, but that's uh, hats off to, to to Stewie and to the bats for pulling what is a uh, yes. The, it's a rich county. They've got resources to have a bigger pool of players. Oh, sorry, a, a larger pool of quality players. But they've got to perform, and you've got to manage them. And I think sorry, have used twenty-two players so far this season, and that for me comes with consequence of leadership as well, because then you have to potentially tell somebody who's got a first-class hundred or first-class five foot, you're not playing next week because Ollie Pope's back, and nobody really can argue because Ollie Pope averages about eighty in first-class cricket. So that they've got they've got quality, but you've still got to manage that quality. And I think Bats and Stewie have done that very very well. And I fancied Surrey at the start of the season. I thought the only way they'd beat anybody would beat them would be Surrey beating themselves. Um, and and that's come true. And yeah, you know, the quality they've got eleven first class hundreds, eleven players have got first class hundreds this year. I think it is. That's that's no mean feat. So fair play, we worthy worthy winners. That's astonishing. Uh, it, I think using twenty two players is astonishing, but 11, 11 centurions equally uh, remarkable. Let's hear from. More from uh, from Gareth Batty, seeing as you mentioned him. It's the stop and start nature, which is very difficult. Modern sport across all sports, people talk about momentum now, don't they? And, and keeping that momentum, which um, is the impressive thing from, from our players, that they've managed to keep that momentum throughout a year with sort of five-week breaks here and three-week breaks here and so on and so forth. Uh, with other games and fixtures thrown in, it's, it becomes very difficult. And I suppose that's why it's, so satisfying um, when you when you're fortunate enough like we were to get over the line. That was uh, Gareth Batty, and more from Ollie Pope now. What uh, did he think was the secret to winning the championship? Well, we've obviously got a seriously good side. Um, our bowling attack is is amazing. I think obviously you need 20 wickets each week, and we played with some pretty good pitches as well. So um, we won a lot of games. Some guys like Frankie Worrell led the attack amazingly, um, and then we we had guys constantly coming in throughout. Uh, when England boys went away when there was injuries. So, um, and, and guys just stood up when they needed to the most. Uh, and I think that's probably played a massive part. And then Gareth Batty, he's been outstanding as, as, our, as our coach. Obviously, this year is his first proper year as a head coach for us. Um, and he's, he's got that balance right, I think, in county cricket. I think you need to be intense and you need to know when to be intense at the right time. But because it is such a hard slog, you need to get the balance right between t- training, days off. Um, and he's been class. Yeah, just obviously we, you know, we we it's great for you, but we've lost Bats. We, we don't see Bats anymore, but we feel like he's one of our own talks. But yeah, just give us a bit more of an insight into into what he's like because he's got such a good cricket brain. But I can imagine being a sort of a quite a chill coach when when needed. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's probably quite handy that he's he was a player so recently. Um, yeah, he's a top lad, and the, the boys have a lot of respect for him for who he is, what he did as a cricketer. Uh, but he's he's got into this role and he, he works harder than everyone as well, which I think is a massive attribute to have as well. Um, I think he, he throws more balls than any other coach. He's there before everybody uh, throughout the whole season, obviously every game being a coach, um, which I think we, we look up to him and it's like this guy's putting in so many hard yards to us. So so that's awesome. And yeah, he, he's pretty chilled out as well. I mean, even after the bad days, it's not... It's not necessarily pointing fingers. It's just sort of taking it as we as it as it comes, and then sort of thinking logically about it. But now he's he's found he's sort of gone into this role with a lack of a, a lack of real experience as a coach, and he's mm. been one of the most enjoy. It's been one of the most enjoyable seasons working with him. 
Yeah, and then the team on paper, Ollie, is it's a weird looking team, isn't it? Because of no frontline spinner. Um, but you, you I mean you bat so deep, don't you? I think like you know, a time disease and guys at eight, nine, ten have scored fifties and hundreds. And also there's there's so many bowling options, but again, on paper, it doesn't look like a, a conventional team, does it? Yeah, exactly. I think we've obviously had to be fair, I know that Will Jacks isn't necessarily seen as a as a frontline spinner, but he he took on that role amazing this year and he picked up wickets at crucial times and he also, yeah, like batting a bit lower down and he he has turned into a seriously good red ball cricketer this year as well, as well as his white ball skills. Um and I think that's part of it as well. And that's part of what, what the best teams do is they contribute runs to our all, all the way down to ten and eleven. Even if even if it's guys who aren't necessarily the best with the bat, if they can see themselves as a batter and contribute at 30, that can, and it has been the difference in a lot of our games this year. It's not necessarily been the perfect, perfect performance where you go score 500 and roll a team twice. It's been sort of getting a 40, 50 run lead with the tail and then, yeah, and then getting, getting ahead of the game and then let the bowlers do the rest of it. And I mean, obviously, you know, it's such a strong team on, on paper. I mean, you've, you've got so many top quality players, but how good is it to see some some new faces, some young guys as well, sort of, you know, really step up to the plate? You know, I'm thinking some like uh, Gus Atkinson, Tom Laws, you know, you've got your Ramblers, your Roaches, your international players, but some young players, when 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 needed, really stepped up, didn't they, and put in some great performances? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, Gus has been outstanding. And he, even with the bat, he scored a few 50s as well. And Tom Laws, um, I don't think he necessarily would have expected to play this year at all in the championship side. And when he came in, everyone was like, wow, this guy, this guy can play. Um, and I think to for someone like him to to have to be in an attack with guys like Worrell, Kemar Roach, um, Jordan Clark, toppers at the start of the season, those guys, you kind of expect him to play a, a sort of a bit of a backseat role, but he did the opposite. He sort of he he bowled as much of a leader as everyone else as well. So I think that like I said, guys stood stood up at the right time that necessarily wouldn't have expected to get their go when they did, and yeah, did an outstanding job. And just one more player to talk about. I mean, you know, Rory Burns, I guess, you know, he probably liked to have played for England this summer. It's been a, a tough time for him, um, you know, being dropped from the England team. But like, how impressive was it for him to sort of lead the team so well and also score score a lot of runs too? Yeah, exactly. I think when you when you get dropped from the England side, it's uh, obviously disappointing. And I think the way he's dealt with it's been amazing. He's He, he puts his heart and soul into that that role as captain. And he, He's a stubborn guy, but and he, I tell him this as well. But he knows exactly what his vision is and how he wants to play and his plans. So he, he he knows that, and I think that's probably one of his best attributes being being a county captain uh, because you get so many ideas thrown at you the whole time that he sort of he trusts trusts his guy and trusts his own. So no, he's I couldn't be happier for him. He's obviously had a tough time getting in Australia and then getting dropped from from the team. But I think yeah, it's it's a very fitting way for him to hit the winning runs last week and be lifting the trophy this week in uh, Manchester. Yeah, but for you though, Ollie Wright, I mean, the perfect summer, you come back into the England team, you score runs for England. You know, we've won, what, six out of seven matches England and then sorry, win the county championship. I mean, really, you probably couldn't have asked for a better summer, right? Yeah, exactly. I think I, I, I actually went into this summer probably more nervous than I've been. Just to, to play cricket, I thought of, I obviously had a tough time in, in the Ashes. I uh, didn't score the runs that I wanted and it was probably the the biggest experience for me. And I think I've used that in, in the right way. Um, and I remember, I, to be honest, I remember having the net before the West Indies tour and, and I was facing Jordan Clark. He was just getting through some overs at 70%. On the, and when you bat indoors, you should just be crunching it. That ball doesn't move. And I could barely <laughs> lay that on it, to be honest. And I was like, really? this isn't, this isn't, this isn't good. So I, it was sort of like, a right, pull your socks up and get, get to work. So I used that West Indies trip as a, 
it's almost like a big training camp for me. And yeah, fortunately, I didn't think I was even going to be in the England side, to be honest. Um, so that that getting the call to bat that I was going to bat at three was yeah incredibly special. Um, and yeah, then I think winning winning against New Zealand and contributing in in those games was so special. And then that crazy India Test where. That was a big team effort uh, chasing down those runs where I got a duck, um, <laughs> which was. But no, that even that was just, it was just a great week to be a part of. Winning the championship was so special for for the club and for so many people as well. So yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Um, I think it's probably been the most fun I've just had playing cricket, which probably is a good lesson for me that the more you are enjoying cricket, probably the better you're going to be playing. That was Ollie Pope um, talking about uh, Surrey's twenty first championship title. Lots, lots of other questions actually to ask you. What's gone wrong at Edgebaston? Warwickshire um, may well become, I think it's the fourth team um, to follow winning the title with relegation. But it, it's all, uh, I didn't, nobody saw this coming at Warwickshire, did they? No, I don't think you did. Um, I think there were signs, obviously, Paul Fabris was, is leaving, I think. And I think that's when you've got, when you've got management and hierarchy leaving, then there's a, there's a knock-on effect, a trickle effect. I think a big one, a huge one, I don't know this for a fact, but looking at last year's performance and looking at this year's performance, there's one guy missing and he holds everybody together, and that was Tim Bresnan. Um, I think Bresley was a big part of the last couple of years at, at Warwickshire and Edgebaston, and not being there this year, I think that possibly have hampered uh, the challenge of, of Warwickshire, but also just, just sort of, bringing that team togetherness because yeah, he's a, he's a colourful character as Brez and he's somebody who I think is, is good not only to be around in a dressing room, but good to have around on a field. And I think that coupled with the fact that one or two others haven't hit form, Warwickshire find themselves in the position they're in. Hannan Dolby's got nearly 50 wickets, um, and but the batters haven't really fired this year. And I think that's been the, the cause of the demise of, of Warwickshire County Cricket Club in, in this county championship season. That uh, three-wicket win by Gloucestershire over Warwickshire at Bristol was their first in Division 1 since 2005. Um, before I ask you about Lancashire against Essex at Chelmsford, which was over in 15 minutes, uh, I just wanted to say that I'm fascinated by games like that. I remember interviewing Norman Gifford about his first-class debut, um, mm. and that was like in the early 60s. And, and that was, that was a, a three-day game that was over in one day. Yeah. It was, it was, it was on it. It was an uncovered wicket, and and it, I mean, but I, I, I'm, I find it compelling and fascinating, and I always sort of say to people, well, this is the, these are the nuances. Well, it wasn't very nuanced, was it? I mean, twenty six wickets on the first day, but it's it's played with an organic ball, you know, or on an organic surface. It's not astroturf. These things can happen. The only rider to that is that I have no idea whether Chelmsford prepared that monster on purpose but if it happens naturally then that's one of the beautiful things about cricket it is yeah it is and, and Norman Gifford one of the greatest men that ever come through my career right at the very start we talk about these his debut he still has the newspaper clipping in his wallet from that game he still <laughs> he still gets it out every every now and again when you see him so he's got the proof that it was over in one day um but that was on uncovered pitches. TV was sort of black and white and a, a pint of beer was about a penny and a half. So sorry, Giff. Um, but when I, you look at modern technology, the way things have gone, I'm with 
Ben Chappell. I think he was very vocal in his his ne- the negativity side of a, a, the points that he made about the pitch, and that was me putting it politely there. He, he was <laughs> talking, and I, I agree that in modern technology, the way things are now, you can have pattern collapses, you can have poor cricket played, but that just looked rank. It really did. That looked that looked a poor surface from the very very start, and. I, I was sitting there, you know, I was sitting at Durham as this was unfolding on a nice, well, it wasn't a warm summer's day, but it was, it, the sun was shining. The pitch was good. There was two teams going, going well, you know, going hard at each other at Durham. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? This is just people, this is a great chance for people to not county cricket. This, this game at Chelmsford is a great chance to go and, well, we shouldn't be playing in September. We play far too much cricket. County cricket's not very good. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I was sitting with Alan Walker and Neil Killian, I'm going, this is just fuel on people's fire that we we don't need. I'm watching two youngish sides going head-to-head on a decent pitch, sunshine in end of September, and you know, we're going to get so much criticism. First-class cricket's going to get so much criticism. The one that should get criticism is the pitch at Chelmsford. If it wasn't deemed good enough, then they should be punished for it. Quick word about your return to Durham in a... In official capacity, you've. Um, I, I know that you're you're very close with uh, with Killer Neil Killeen, um, and he's taken over. He's also interim coach, isn't he? And and he, he's called you in for the extra pair yeah, of hands at the end of the summer. At the end of the English, the, the international summer, I, I sent a message to Northie and Killer and said, "Look, obviously James Franklin's gone home. If you need an extra pair of hands, I'm I'm around and help if you want." Because Northie's always talked about having this mentor coming in, just having a chat with the lads, no coaching, no nothing, just just be around. Um, and I went in first four days, but unfortunately I couldn't go to nuts because I had to do my day job. Obviously we've got After the Lights and a couple of other shows going on this week, which meant it was impossible for me to go to nuts. But I had four days and loved it. I really had. I hope there is something in the future that an extra pair of eyes, extra pair of hands being around uh, does help. And I, I really enjoyed watching the game. There's some good players, young players out there. Michael Jones. You were going to see him for Scotland. He got 90 yards. He got 97 the week before, 96 in this game. He is a good, he is a very, very good player. He could play for England. He could knock on England's door. I mentioned earlier about some of the Sussex lads. Took the Mickey about their age and stuff like that. But individually, there's some good players going 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 down the south coast there. James Kirtley, it was nice to see him. Um, the coach of of Sussex. And I really enjoyed the four days watching good young players trying to forge a career for themselves um and i was i was very impressed individually by by sussex but durham were fantastic matt potts again ben rain showing you know qualities with the ball um and it was it was it was a decent game of cricket and all in all uh, i enjoyed my time being back on a field hopefully that can get a chance more in the future and um everybody knows what a big fan i am of lower order runs I've also uh, got a soft spot for players who score late season runs, especially with uh, England, when England have got a busy winter coming up. <laughs> and Keaton Jennings, um, gosh, he does look like uh, like he's he's got a plane ticket to Pakistan for the Test Series, doesn't it? Yeah, if he doesn't go now, he's not going, he's never going again, isn't he? So I, I, I watched Keaton yesterday. I closely watched um, on the TV. Um, it's nice when the cameras come that you knock on somebody's door very, very ferociously. And boy, did he, yes, did he during the, the, the first innings. I think the technical areas that he needed to work on, I think he, he has. He's got a little bit better. I think he's 
He's a little bit closer to the to, uh, out towards the ball, trying to smother there any sort of movement or bounce. But we've got to remember we've got to Pakistan and the surface at Old Trafford. It was it was similar to what you're going to get in in Pakistan if the, if you can get a similar wicket in this country. It didn't bounce as much, very slow, sort of slow, evenly paced. Um, and Keaton faced bowlers who had won the championship. You know, they're playing against Surrey. Whether they were on it or not on it, he looked in decent order. So I think he's sent a message to the England captain, the England coach, and the new selection panel, whenever that is chosen, that I am going nowhere. I have the game to go to Pakistan. I have got the runs on board. I have done it this year when you've asked me to do it. That's all I can do. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that the Sri Lankan tour during COVID got cancelled, I think Keaton Jennings would have played for England on that trip. So if that's the way they're going to go, it wouldn't surprise me if Keaton Jennings goes to to Pakistan. And it wouldn't surprise me if he plays because if Ben Stokes and Ben McCullum worked the theory that we're going to pick the best team possible for the next game, well, conditions and everything into into consideration. Then for me, Keaton Jennings plays in that first test match in Pakistan. It's a, a dismissal that's always going to divide divide opinion. Um, and I think that's that's all that's ever going to get said about it. It causes outrage and it always has done. Today, whatever we have done, I don't think it's it was any crime. It's part of the game. It's ICC rule. To be honest, I completely disagree with it. If I was in a... If I was in a team or captaining a team and the bowler did that, I think you, I'd be saying, put the bells back on. Bottom line is, if the batsman stays in his or her ground, there's not a problem at all. I think it's an absolutely fair enough thing if that individual chooses to do it. Now, you ask me as a former player, would I do it? No. What we did say in the dressing room was that we didn't lose that game of cricket because of that last wicket. I just don't think it's the way that you should win a game of cricket. I'm actually very happy she was aware of that. You know, uh, that, uh, that batter is she's taking too too long stride. I think. Uh, I don't think she has done something wrong. I completely think it's a legitimate way. It is personal choice. It is a complete personal choice on whether you want to do this or go that way or not. As I said, I don't think we have done any crime. It's part of the ICC rules. I don't feel that's a very very good way of winning a game of cricket. I think it'd be pretty unfulfilling if you won a game of cricket like that. One warning, and then everybody in the ground, the writers, the commentators, the players, everybody knows that it's fair game from now on. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And those were the thoughts of Indian captain Harmanpreet Kaur, England's Kate Cross, Ollie Pope, David Bumble Lloyd, and Charlie Dagnall who all had their say on the infamous Mankad incident, uh, which saw Charlie Dean run out by bowler Deepti Sharma uh, at the non-striker's end. England uh, lost the series 3-0. It was uh, an unfitting send-off for Julan Goswami, um, the the great, great Indian player, her final ever ODI in an India shirt. And all people were talking about afterwards was Deepti Sharma and Charlie Dean. Uh, We know that... uh, (laughs) Do you know, Army, we, we know that you're not a fan of, of the Mancad. I'm equally not a fan of calling it a Mancad. I think it's great disrespect to one of the great Indian cricketers. But somebody likened it the other day, which is an interesting analogy to me. It's not illegal to pick your nose in public. It's just that only certain people would do it. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm speechless when it comes to seeing what I see time after time now. This 
this man card, it's, it should be outlawed. It's not, it's in the game, it's in the laws and it, you can, you've got every right to do it. I've seen somebody put, it was the 72nd time that Charlie Dean had left the crease. I'm thinking, well, she has to leave a crease sometimes to go and walk to the other end and talk to her partner and run. So it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. You talk about the great Norman Gifford a little bit earlier. I'd sit with my pads on number 11 at Durham and Gifford sort of tap me on the shoulder and slap me across the back of the helmet and write Mr. Harmison, you know how hard it is to get a wicket. And I, yes, yes, boss. And he'd like look at me in the eyes and then don't go and give yours away. And that's what he kept on saying to me when I'm back. Don't go and give your wicket away because you know how hard it is to work for a wicket. And I'm going, when I see a man carry thinking, somebody doesn't have to work hard for that. The bowler wasn't going to bowl the ball. Wasn't. You could see, no matter what anybody, you can sugarcoat it as much as you want. And I'm not somebody that does that much, that much sugarcoating. The captain told the bowler to bowl it, to not bowl it, to do what had happened. And Kate Cross is right. They didn't lose the the ODI because of that one incident. They lost it because of batted poorly. And I can take that. We could take getting over losing by batting poorly. That was the the way the game was going to finish, possibly. But to have this in the game is wrong. It really is wrong. Yeah, I understand you shouldn't leave your crease. It's a natural instinct to sort of go and go with the bowler, go with the game. But for my personal opinion, it should be outlawed from the game. Yeah, whether you warn the batsman or not, um, you can go down the road of saying to the umpire, look, I'm not happy with this. He's done it again. He's left He left the crease. The captain can say it to the umpire because you know, if, it, if the captain wanted to review he makes a call from a, a decision, from a, a wicked decision, whether it's LBW, caught behind, or whatever. So the umpire, the, the captain and the umpire could come to a, a head and say, look, you've got to stop doing this or we are going to penalty five runs. I'd rather I'd rather penalise the, the, the field inside five runs than somebody lose the wicket just you know, having no, having no fault of their own and sort of leaving the leaving their crease. I just don't like it. Sorry. We always we always talk about um levelling up uh, batting and bowling and and you know not having the game too much dominated mostly by 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 batters rather than bowlers. But if a bowler bowler bowls a no ball, they get penalised a run and they have to bowl the ball again. Um, mm. But if if a batsman oversteps the crease, then uh, there is no penalty other than the, you know, one in a thousand possibility that he gets run out or mancadded. So so how about how about having that as a, a system? The the batting team lose a run. It's one yeah, shot. You punish the batting team if somebody's taking liberties. I didn't see Charlie Dean taking liberties. I really didn't. I watched the game. I watched some of it again. And I didn't see it taking too much liberty. She, as the bowler was, you know, about to front foot land, she was she was more or less still on a crease. And then the natural progression is she's seeing the ball in action go, so she's going to go out. The bowler had no intention of bowling that ball, and that's being brutally honest. I'm not going to say ah, oh, just it was just a sour taste, sour taste in the mouth to end a cricket match, end a good series. The series was a very very good series. Won by the best team. India were the best team throughout that three-match series. But unfortunately, nobody's going to remember what the three-match series was about because everybody's going to talk about the man-cat. And then uh, less than 24 hours later, Charlie Dean was in action again in uh, Brilliant. the Rachel Hayo Flint trophy final at Lords, and she pretended to man-cat Lindsay Smith. That was 
Yeah, that brought a smile to my face. It did. It was brilliant, and it just shows since you and I really felt for for Charlie. She, yeah, she had done so much to get England back into the back into the game, and tears walking off. Can you imagine getting fifty at Lords? Can you imagine getting batting at number eight or batting at number nine, getting fifty at Lords? Um, what a great achievement that would have been. What she did on the the following day in the Rachel Hill Flint game was. Yeah, it just shows you what a good sense of humour she's got and she'll go far in the game and good on it. And a couple of bits of Durham news um, moving moving on from that, finally. Um, and Ollie Robinson uh, joins Durham from Kent after a loan spell earlier in the season. So he obviously had a good time in the northeast. Um, and Sean Dixon um, is uh, moving to Somerset. as And also um, Nottinghamshire, Paul, Nottinghamshire's Paul Franks becomes the first English coach of a domestic side in Pakistan after joining Central Punjab for the winter. So three talking points for you to expand on. Yeah, yeah, good on. Good on, Franksy, going over. It's been saying it, what matters how many times we said it throughout these sort of cricket collectives that we need to get English coaches around the world to give them a chance to broaden their horizons, to try and get improving their coaching skills. And good on, Franksy, for doing that. Paul Nixon did it a few years ago as well, I think, and did something similar over in in, in Pakistan. So that's good for 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 Nottinghamshire to let let Francie go. I've shared a dressing room with Francie, and I'm sure there's people in Nottingham but over the moon that he's gone. Sorry, Francie, <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, but he's somebody who's I've known him since he was sort of 17, 18 year old, and he's he's just been obsessed by the game of cricket and loves it. So to go over there, I think it's it's brilliant for him. Um, Ollie Robinson, very, very impressive on his loan at Durham. Um, somebody that Durham have been chasing for a long time. And I know one or, other, one or two other counties have chased him. And I know a big county you know, pushed the boat out to try and get him, but he was keen on coming to Durham. I think it's a big blow for Kent that. It really is a big blow for Kent that Ollie Robinson has gone. I know Sam Billings and Jordan Cox are there as well. I think that's a big blow for for the Kent supporters because I think Ollie Robinson has a chance um, if there's injuries in that Ben Folk's role that his name would probably crop up and he wants to play a first-team cricket. So good for him for moving north and trying to keep wicked in the cold. Um, and, and Sean Dixon, he's, he's done excellent for Durham, but unfortunately, I think I don't think he settled in, I don't think him or his family settled in the northeast. Um, and he's gone off to pastures new, and he's been he was he's, he had a good season for for Durham this season. Somebody that Durham will miss, um, and hopefully they will sign a, an opening batsman to to sort of compensate for that. But I was in the dressing room the other day when everybody wished Sean well going forward, um, and there was a lot of goodwill in that because he was a popular member of the Durham dressing room. It just unfortunately, not everybody settles in the northeast manners. It's cold, it's cold up north, it's grim up north. So this year. Um, but Sean Dixon enjoyed batting on the, the Durham wickets. I'm just not sure he's settled in the area, so he's gone back. He's gone down south. Manners, what about Temba Bavuma not getting picked up in the SAT20? Uh, that's we talked a couple of weeks ago about South Africa's quota system when it comes to Test matches, and we talked about how these Indian franchises would see what would happen, um, and it'll be interesting to see what would happen. Keegan Peterson, not surprising, hasn't been picked up. Uh, more of a test specialist, but that must be a blow to South Africa's cricket board that their flagship T20 captain, Temba Bavuma, has not been picked up by one of the six franchises in the, this SEA T20. That's that's big news in South Africa, isn't it? It's massively embarrassing. Um, 
Four nationally contracted players, uh, as you said. It's also Andilo Petalacuaya, who's um, been a, yeah. a key all-rounder in the in the in the T Twenty national team. Neither of them uh, was picked up. There's an interesting dynamic about um, player auctions, Harmi. I was outraged at first. Uh, I thought that it was um, disrespectful, and I and I really, honestly believe that you know, on ability alone, never mind his reputation and the good that he's done for South African cricket as the white ball captain. I thought surely there was a place for Temba Bavuma in a seventeen-man squad. There are six seventeen-man squads, and so I was I was outraged. But news from the player auction floor. A few um, of the coaches um, and teams uh, saw what I had to say and and write about about it, and they said that, and they explained the d- dynamic to me is that in a player auction, a team will be happy to pay ten twenty times the price of a player's own estimation, his mm-hmm. base price, his reserve price, and that actually happened. Tristan Stubbs had a base yeah. price of 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 one hundred and seventy five thousand and went for nine million. Um, but the moment there is a perception amongst the buying teams that a player has overvalued themselves, they won't be touched. And what happened is that Bavuma and Petlaquayo went for a base price, a reserve price of 850,000 Rand. What's that? Just over 40,000 pounds. And so they weren't touched. They will, weren't touched. And, and I mean, it, it was confirmation of everything we said when the six teams were sold to IPL franchises. We all said they will be run by the owners with the express purpose of building a stronger team in the real IPL Mm -hmm. and secondly, winning this. It won't be for the good of South African cricket. It won't be for development. It won't be for transformation. None of those things matter. Um, And this was really graphic confirmation that South Africa has sold its league. South South African cricket will stay alive because of the money that it will generate but don't expect any favours or philanthropy. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, I, where do they go from there? Because Bavuma, Peplaquayo, one or two others, left in the cold, really, because this tournament's not going away. So do they put the tail between the legs when it comes to next year's auction and go in for uh, half that base price, hoping that they get selected? Or our team's going, no. We've burnt your bridges here because, like we've said many, many times, these franchise leagues are only going to get bigger and better. Will it become six? Will six teams become eight teams next year? South African cricket board's going to be going, hold on. We've got to somehow get our 2020 captain into this league because we're going to look foolish as well when we put our best, best 15 foot, best 15 players to a World Cup and we're going to send a bloke out leading it with no credibility because he can't even get on our domestic league. Yeah. Well, I think some jiggery pokery will take place and the, 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 so there'll be an injury somewhere before the <laughs> tournament starts and, and he'll find himself in the squad. But um, it was a shock, Harmi. It was a massive, massive shock. Anyway, time's up. Thanks for your time. As always, you've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Mandelman, Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to review the last three matches of England's T20 series with Pakistan. But for now, this has been The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 